Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Monday in Jacksonville, Florida. Everybody, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, as we are now a week and a half away from the NFL draft. Jags will have a draft luncheon later this week. We'll get uh, maybe a little bit more insight what the Jags are doing. Until then, everybody's guessing. We're all guessing including you, and we shock your mock and your bad guesses coming up today at uh, 4 o'clock. And we talk plenty of football uh, along the way here on a Monday as uh, really nothing has changed too much in the draft. But we do ask this, can you overthink the draft? And do teams do that? you got to believe they do. (laughs) <laughs> because there's so much time, anticipation, and ways to overthink it. Uh, big weekend in the NBA with the playoffs getting going. Some uh, fun storylines, including a really good game between the Nets and the Celtics and birds flying everywhere, and I'm not talking about Larry. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> with Kyrie. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was one of the best games I've, I've seen uh, the entire year. Yeah, that, that was, was fantastic. That was fantastic. That was good stuff. Is that the way that series is going to play out? I mean, because Kyrie Irving is, he comes out of there the storyline, but just yeah. as much so as his, his play. His play was terrific. No, I mean, I, I understand I give Kyrie Irving a hard time a lot on this show for some of his takes and, and some of, um, you know, his beliefs or whatever you want to say it, but um, he earned my respect, you know, uh, uh, in a hostile Boston crowd where he essentially took the game over by himself. You know, Kevin Durant wasn't the usual Kevin Durant, and Kyrie put the team on his back, and they should have won that game. Just kind of a defensive lapse at the end cost them it, but um, it was really cool to see, and as far as the middle fingers are concerned, I could care less about those. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I'm, I wonder if we'll see more of it. I wonder if they'll ask him to tone that down, meaning the NBA. <laughs> well, the, 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 the funny thing is, and someone's got to like be the king of the internet here and find it. He said he's been doing it the whole season, yeah, but, but no one's know. been talking about it. You don't think he has? I doubt it. You don't think he's been doing the middle finger? No. The t- I bet he has. I don't think. Well, Why would he lie I mean, about it? How many games did he play? Like 20? Like, like half a season. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought, he was, he I thought his it? explanations were all around. I think he was trying to dismiss so often of like, let's not make this a bigger deal than it is. Just a crowd that's into it, and so am I, and I'm going to you know, battle back. And so I was thinking he was not trying to make it a one-off thing, and so he threw that in. I'd be surprised. I would like to see it, but I, I mean, maybe it's happened one other time. I can't imagine it's happened, like, multiple times like that, like it was. I think it was just amped up to that point. And he, he kind of alluded to it, and then he would back off it, and then he would allude to it, it being ramped up. And yeah. it was an interesting explanation. And, well, that's Kyrie Irving. He usually delivers some interesting explanations. No, for sure. So whether it was his only time or he'd done it multiple times, like he said, I mean, I have no issue with it. You know, I mean, is it probably the most fan-friendly thing? Absolutely not. But I think kids are are exposed to a lot worse than a couple of uh, fingers on, on national television or at a game. Yeah. Uh, now we'll see if kids start doing that at, like, 12-year-old basketball games. But <laughs> I mean... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's I kind mean, of what I happens. Think, well, I think that, that kind of falls on parents then to say, "Don't do that." You know, like I mean, if, you're, if your kid's at a basketball game, give them middle fingers. 
Yeah. I think you kind of feel that as a parent, but, <laughs> but on a on a different note, like as we were just talking about uh, the the Instagram video of you doing the gritty has gone wild. Oh yeah, I don't think yeah. that was influenced by parents. It was influenced by Justin Jefferson and the rest of the league. Doing oh no, it. for sure, man, for sure. <laughs> Nothing like going global on a uh, an app they don't even have. So that was cool to see <laughs> yeah, on Instagram. Go check yeah. it out. Uh, doing pretty well there. Uh, so anyway, I, I think uh, Kyrie's an interesting discussion. Anyway, one should he be doing that? Uh, it, I, I actually don't know if he got – I think he was just a topic, but I never really felt like he was, oh, my gosh, don't do that. You should suspend him. You should find him. I mean, there were going to be those folks, but I don't think that was a loud crowd huh. of people saying oh, that. Which, I mean, are we, are we now okay with people flipping the bird, running down the court? Are, are we desensitized to that point? Like, again, it doesn't bother me, but I'm just yeah. saying as a whole, as I mean, we are a very self-righteous society. Yeah. And and that's something that we would really be all over, pick apart. Where's the NBA coming in? Where's the this, the that? Yeah. And I, I don't feel like it's like that. I know he's polarizing, so you got each side. But Yeah, I mean, I, I think society is kind of desensitized to the middle finger. I think the media likes to make it a bigger deal than, than what it is. Like, I mean, I'm not sure if households around the country were, like, shielding their kids' eyes <laughs> from the middle finger. Um, it's just a talking point, which is a shame because, I mean, it was it was an instant classic in terms of a basketball game. And there's a lot of storylines that come out of it. You know, I mean, Jason Tatum um, had himself a heck of a game and then kind of has emerged now as one of the top stars in the NBA. He had the game winner. Like I said, Kyrie Irving, I mean, essentially put the team um, on his back and did his thing. Kevin Durant, for whatever reason, didn't look like himself. So I think that's a, a topic going forward, you know. So there's, there's a lot of storylines to break down, not only in the NBA playoffs, but also the series that's not getting a lot of love just because of a couple middle fingers. Yeah, well, and I think it was a good game. I think that's why it's getting a lot of the love, to be honest with you. I think the elevation of play, the buzzer beater. Did you see, by the way, we were doing TV last night, and we heard this, uh, like we were going out, we were both kind of stopped. We are stopped, we are like, really? This is the first buzzer beater at home for the Celtics in a playoff game? Hmm. Do you believe that? Like, but how is in, that possible? In history? Yeah, apparently, that's what I heard. Yeah. I mean... At home in the playoffs, yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. got a couple of, you know, twists yeah. to it. But still, like Pierce <laughs> never hit one. I know it. I, I guess not a true buzzer beater. Huh? I mean, that was literally at the horn. Yeah, right? the, the red horn. light came on. Yeah, yeah. And it also got me thinking: how many times does a, a game end with a layup buzzer beater? Yeah. Not very, very often. Very right? rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. Uh, so that was pretty but, wild. It's a great spin move. By yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot. I mean, now you got John Morant talking his smack on Instagram, which, I mean, I'm, I'm the biggest John Morant fan ever. But now he's posting the last dance stuff saying how if you're going to talk smack, do it, you know, when you're behind or you're tied, not when you're winning. So, like, now John Morant has officially gone all in, which is so – like, there's, there's, like, one unwritten rule in terms of the NBA playoffs. You don't talk trash about the other team until the series is done. And John Morant just said, hey, you know what? I know we're one game into the series right now. I know we're down 0-1. But let me go ahead and go all in on this and go ahead and double down and say, you know what? I'm confident we're going to win this series, and I'm confident I'm going to dominate um, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves in the process. You know, that's a really interesting thing you bring up, and maybe it's, right, what the heck, let's talk about it right now. We've we'll, we'll, we got so much uh, that we can, we can get to, but I love that you go there. I think that's like a generation thing, man. I think that that is like we talk about millennials or we talk about the younger generation. Every older person talks about the younger generation. Right? Sure. I really try not to be that guy. But there is a I mean, I see it at the level that I watch it at, like in the high school level, like the, the baseball and boys. Right. And it. And I think you see this in 
like you're talking in the NBA. I think it's a much more vocal generation that's not afraid to go back and forth. Social media certainly invites that. Mm-hmm. But but you've learned your lesson enough on social media that now you know what's going to happen from it, so you're not even afraid of that. It feels very playground-oriented to me. And what I mean by that is, like, if you're going – you know, when you're a kid and you're playing wiffle ball in the backyard or you're going up to the courts and you're playing basketball, and, I mean, you, that's where you talk so much trash to your buddies, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, and it's like either way, it's they're still your buddies after, mm-hmm. right? Well, I really feel like this generation has a lot of that in them, like not afraid to talk to the opponent. Uh, they know each other so well, right? Again, yeah. social media, they've grown up playing against each other. The elite have in travel ball tournaments or AAU tournaments or camps or whatever it might be. Yeah. And so I just think that's like this. Um, I don't see it as like a kind of a hatred thing. I know some some amp up more than others. Yeah. But I just think it's like this new generation not afraid to yap, win or lose. And that, that kind of reminds me of a, kind of what well, John Morant's doing a little bit. Yeah, but like we've never seen it done in one game. Like, usually if there's trash talk, it's when the team's been beaten. I know it. Like, I know how, it. Many, how many times yeah. have we seen in the NBA playoffs the star player go off and say, you know, stuff about the team when you're only one game into it? Like, I can't remember. I mean, I, I remember, like, Ron Artest way back in the day, I think, saying, you know, we're going to beat him or something like that. And that was always kind of his, you know, personality what was talking smack. But, like, that was a while ago. Like, my question is, when's the last time you think of a star player that actually, like, went out and talked smack about the team that he's playing against in a playoff series when you're one game into it? Yeah. That's why it's, like, so, I don't say uncharacteristic because I don't really know who John Morant is, but, like, we haven't really seen this before. Usually we're accustomed to when a team's been swept or when a team's been beat out of the series. Then you do the smack talking, right? Portland did it in the bubble um, to the Clippers. You know, yeah, the, the yeah. Timberwolves did it to the Clippers. But now we have it going on after one game of a playoff series. That's wild to me. Yeah, and but, I mean, in a, weird, in a different way, doesn't, like, Trey Young has been this, right? Now it's more with the fans, I understand. Oh, yeah, but Trey Young's never, like, bad mouth. Like he never badmouthed the Bucks when yeah. he's going against Giannis. You know he he never badmouthed. Yeah, there's the still heat. like a respect. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to still that you're a little still afraid of that bulletin board material. Of course, right? yeah. but I'll tell you this: like this, I, I'm not sure this is all that new. Like we saw this firsthand in Jacksonville with Bortles, mm-hmm. where guys would attack. Like you never saw that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was so shocked. That players actually like called out Bortles in front of a microphone. Sure, sure. In the week before they would play him. Like, yeah, and but, I'm not saying I don't know if that's tied to exactly what we're talking about, but like there was a little hint of it even then that uh, I remember just being stunned by that. Like there's such a respect level mm-hmm. at that highest of levels for what people do, and certainly there's this fear of a little bit of bulletin board material. Um, who was it? Uh, who was it for Tennessee that that Jarrell Casey? Okay. He, he was one. I mean, it wasn't the only guy. No, but I mean, sure. like the week of you're playing him. And so I just, I don't know. I just wonder if it's this uh, See, like a younger generation that just isn't afraid to yap back and forth more. But that's different, though. Like if somebody asks you a question about what do you think about Blake Bortles? I mean, you can be truthful about it, you know, and maybe that, that was the circumstance. But to like to go out of your way and not even get asked the question about your opponent yeah. and just post something like, see, that's different to me. And also like in the playoffs, like it's one thing during the regular season, maybe where there's trash talk back and forth. Like, there's always gonna be trash talk. But then when you're in the in the heart of a series or you're starting up a series, and you know you you have to win the best of whatever seven, or was it five or seven in the first round? Seven. Seven. Thank you. You have to win the best of seven series. You're already down by one. Like that's added pressure to you. Yeah. Especially. 
pressure that you probably don't really need because you don't have a lot of playoff experience. Like, that's why it's just so uncharacteristic and, and wild to me because we haven't really seen a lot of what John Moran has done. Yeah, he scored 32 in the game, but they did still lose. And, well, and, and now you add the pressure yeah. on of, okay, to your point, maybe he's trying to get himself going. Who knows, right? Well, and the biggest thing about it, and it's kind of the storyline you've been seeing, is they played a lot better when he wasn't on the full. Like they, yeah. they kept him on a little bit, and they, they, they went on a 12-0 run. Um, when he wasn't on the floor. Yeah, his plus so, minus was 16. Yeah. Minus 16. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, by the way, I think that's a dangerous storyline to say they're better without John Morant, but they did prove to be pretty good without John Morant mm-hmm. at times this year. And, well, very good, actually. But it's not like they were bad with John Morant, I guess is my point. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> and he's still one of the best players in the NBA. So it's hard to fathom, like, yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies – are a better team without him on the court. But I guarantee, I'm sure they're tired of hearing about it. I'm sure he's tired of hearing about it as well. Yeah, by the way, I mentioned Trey Young. He played not so good. No. So we'll see if he can bounce back your game. Uh, the Bucks game was a good game, although it wasn't like a well-played game. I mean, at times, like I think you and I could have shot better than both teams. No, I'm just happy that the Bucks pulled that one out because they played so horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, NBA playoffs uh, underway. We thought they'd be pretty good. I think it was a pretty good opening weekend mm-hmm. of uh, the NBA playoffs with plenty of storylines. Story uh, definitely still to come uh, for sure. Uh, the NFL draft is uh, right around the corner. That, of course, is the big story right here in Jacksonville. And can you overthink it? Can they overthink the draft? Get, will the Jags overthink it? Are they overthinking it? Or is the hay already in the barn and we're just going to keep talking about it? Um, I think they already know. I think the hay is already you in know? the barn. Yeah, I mean, uh, unless there's a, there's a plan to trade down, I think the hay has been in the barn for a while now. And you're right. The one thing that could change that is a trade. And and you know they want to, but I think many of us believe, and I know I adamantly believe, they're not going to Mm -hmm. be able to trade down. So I understand what you're saying there. Um, So what's there left to do? Just watch everybody kind of talk all over themselves? I would say just (laughs) plant your smoke screens accordingly. Um, Probably laugh at everyone that's trying to analyze it to, you know, uh, a T and... Just wait back and mind your time, because I'll say this. If there's not already a plan in place, and once again, I take the take the trading back out of it, assume that's not going to happen, because I think the odds with that are pretty, you know, high that it's not going to happen. But if you're still contemplating, oh, do we take Javon Walker? Do we do we take uh, Hutchinson? I mean, do we take it off? Like, if you're still having these conversations, what are we, 11 days, yeah. 12 days, whatever the ten. case may be, 10 days, whatever it is, if you're 10 days out and you're still having these conversations with yourself, I, then I'm not confident. Well, that's then, a, I'm, then I'm panicking. Isn't that the, that's really the story, right? If mm-hmm. I ask that question, is the hay in the barn? Do they know where they're taken? I almost want you to tell me yes. Of course. Of course we do. Yeah. We're convicted. Yeah. We know what we want. Now, to your point, if they trade out, if somebody comes with an offer, something else happens, then we have other scenarios in play. But do we know? Absolutely we know mm-hmm. uh, who we're going to take. And so, I mean, I hope that's the case. They've had plenty of time. The Jags were a little bit later in the process now. Trent Bulky, I mean, he might have known since January 3rd that he's going to be the guy, but he spent a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, def- making sure uh, they found the right coach. And then Peterson didn't get hired until, what was it, like the second week almost, first week of February. Yeah. And now he still had two months. He's gone through the combine and everything else. But the point is they've had a little catch-up time between working on their staff and everything else, now getting to know the players. I wouldn't say they had as long a time. If, if Peterson had been the head coach and, and they were still all the way through January, maybe that does delay some of the 
uh, evaluation decision making mm. and and being the first time these guys have worked together. So I guess that'd be the only caveat here to be like, well, this might drag out longer. But goodness gracious, I mean, you basically know you had the first overall pick for a long time. I think they know the way the league works. They're not going to be able to trade out of it, even if they'd like to. And they also know what they did in free agency to set themselves up for what pick they were going to make. Like, you wouldn't make the moves in free agency without almost having a good feel of what position we're going to go after. Yeah. And that's why we all feel like edge guy is going to be the guy. Of course. And and you've had the pole position. It's not like where you have to try to work on all these scenarios where it's like, well, if this team takes that guy, then no. You have the number one pick. You have first dibs. You get to choose whoever you want. And, yes, Doug Peterson, the process took a little longer than probably expected. They got their guy eventually in Doug Peterson. But Trent Baalke's been there for a while now. And he's had his resources and his energy there since Urban Meyer was there. So, like, in terms of scouting, in terms of watching the film and everything, like, he's already had a good idea, I think, before even Peterson got in. Now, once again, I want to talk about the collaboration because that's a word that's been used a, a, a lot around the Jaguars these days. In terms of collaboration, yeah, maybe it did take a little bit to collaborate and come up with a, a solution of who the number one pick's going to be, but they know, okay? You have to know. If you're still going back and forth, like, like this is draft day starring Kevin Costner, then maybe the GM position's not for you. You should have a good idea already. Yeah, I think uh, you're absolutely right. You should have a good idea already, and I think the Jaguars do. I think they, they know exactly who they're picking. Again, I think what's interesting is we'll, we'll ask uh, later in the week Doug Peterson, Trent Baalke, to shed a little light. Well, they're not going to give us too much, but I think they'll do that with a wink-wink. Yeah, we, we kind of know where we're headed. And then maybe they'll be transparent and say that. I think we've had that experience before. Like, yeah, we got a pretty good feel of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting because last year was just no mystery. And this year I do feel like there is some mystery. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think a few picks would not surprise me. And uh, I still would be surprised by the offensive line, but um, I, I guess I could see reason in it. And there's been enough talk about it to say, well, maybe it does uh, – does happen. Let's take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday. We do countdown uh, to the NFL draft. I mean, this, I don't know what, where this day ranks for Austin Lane. But it's got to be high up there. It's a big day. It is a massive day. What is it, April 18th? Correct. I mean, a memorable day for you. Oh, yeah. May 19th might be more memorable. Yeah, I know. This is just an announcement. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I know what for dinner. I know what's for dinner on May nineteenth. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll be back and we'll explain that if you haven't heard yet on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety. Suckiest year of all time. The Milwaukee Bucks, I don't know what's happening with them. Christian Yelich, I don't know what's going on with you. The Milwaukee Brewers aren't really winning that much. The Bucks are on the way out of the playoffs. Obviously, COVID-19 is going on. Everything is going on right now. And the thing I got going for me is my comfort food. And now Taco Bell is taking away my comfort food. Okay? You're taking away my comfort food in the most uncomfortable year of all time. And I'm, this is the most upset I've ever been on this show. And I'm like, crap. Well, that is changing. Mm. That's changed. You've now mm. been more upset and cried multiple times on the show. Mm. Welcome back. Over, over Sam on Twitter? <laughs> yeah. yeah Sam. Uh-huh. <laughs> Welcome back, Taco Bell. Yes. Put him back in the rotation. 
Put him back in the rotation. It's great to have you guys back. Yeah, so the – and by the way, shout out to Doja Cat at Coachella. Um, big big Coachella guy myself. We watched a lot of the live stream as a family over this past weekend. Didn't see the, the Doja Cat set, but uh, she has a partnership now with Taco Bell. And last night at Coachella, she announced that she is bringing back the Mexican pizza. Now, when she announced that, people were like, okay, I mean, Doja Cat might be on some drugs. But it turns out she wasn't lying. And today, this morning, Taco Bell announced that Doja Cat was indeed telling the truth, and she's working in a collaborative effort with the Mexican pizza to bring it back. And I couldn't be any more happy. Like, son being born, it's up there. Wedding day, why not? Mexican pizza make another appearance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the biggest chef's kiss of all time. I'm pumped, Brent. And now it's not going to happen because so, I guess they want to like build it up so a little bit, right? I mean, you got to oh, no, wait a month. I'm, no, I mean, I have to wait a month. I, you know what? I'm, I'm very patient. Patience it's is like a, when is the a virtue. Batman like trailer came out. You had kinda, to wait. Kind of. Yeah. By the way, speaking of trailers, that, that new Thor trailer dropped today. Case you see that? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Love and Thunder's out right now. Check that out, everybody. Didn't do much for me? Was it good? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, good. It, it was good because the Guardians of the Galaxy are back in it. But back to the Mexican pizza, real quick. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a great day to be a Taco Bell fan. And, and, and this is somebody that was sponsored by Taco Bell back when he played in the NFL. I'm really? sure. Yeah, we, we've been over this before. Remind um, me. They, they, they sponsored sent, by a lot. Yeah, they, they, so they sent me a swag bag. Um, I had T-shirts. I had, like, a duffel bag they sent me. And then wow. they sent me, like, 200 bucks in Taco Bell bucks. Wow, and you didn't but, even that, steal a base during the World Series. No, no, nothing, man. They just, <laughs> my, my agent did it. I mean, my agent did a great job, got me that Taco Bell endorsement. I had to give him a couple shout-outs on Twitter every once in a while. Um, but it was fun, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I'm a... Try I, to get him back. I'm a Taco Bell. Yeah, it's, radio yeah, show it's now. whatever, you know. I mean, it's, I'm still a little upset about them. Mexican but, Pizza Fridays. And I think that the big story here and listen I, i'm not political at all right this isn't a political show but i think we have to start having the conversation if because this happened during the joe biden you know candidacy now this happened during the, the, the joe biden administration top five that that are alive joe biden and then you heard it here first because he brought the he brought the mexican pizza back you know what i'm saying so I, as far as i'm concerned and fox news right now is in shambles right they, they got to report it <laughs> taco, taco bell's coming back with mexican pizza under the biden administration and, and they're all shook up right now and i'm sure the far right is, is in shambles as we speak but joe biden i get the gas prices i was gonna say this is i want to blame you or not well here's the thing if we're blaming joe biden for the gas prices i'm blaming joe biden for the mexican pizza coming back so <laughs> So there we go. But we are not getting political here on the show. No, we're not getting political, but but I'm saying top five that are alive. I was just thinking, I mean, the Mexican pizza, it survived pandemic and supply chain issues. And it's oh, back. yeah, it's back. We'll see. I mean, it's going to come back. I don't care. Why is it taking so long, though? You, uh, you, have, you have all the ingredients. Yeah, but they have all the ingredients, like, in the store right now. I would say, so just like, make we, it. what are they waiting Just for? make it. It's, it's not like there's a chip in a car. I'm like, that's why <laughs> cars are being hard. No. It's tough to make. All I'm going to tell them is, <laughs> hey, can I have a Crunchwrap Supreme, hold the tortilla, add cheese and sour cream on that, and let's go. Enough said. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we waiting on? Shout to Doja Cat again. I can't say that enough. She's awesome. Was Coachella good? Yeah, it was a fun time. Um, Harry Styles came out with Shania Twain. That was special. Came out with Shania Twain? Well, yeah, he, he brought her out for a special guest appearance. Okay. And then they both sang Feel Like a Woman. Oh, very good. So that was, was interesting. Yeah, it was funny. All right. I liked it. All right, good. Casey, big coach, uh, you're not, because people. No, people. I watched. <laughs> it's true. I watched yeah. the Harry Styles part, though. Yeah, that was cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually almost, I saw it, and I almost flipped it on a couple of times, and then I don't know, I didn't. Like, I just you, hesitated. You saw Coachella? Well, I saw it because, yeah, whatever was, you what? can see it live yeah. on, I don't even know what we yeah, have. Well, I was going to say, you're going to flip it on? What, what channel are you turning to for that Coachella stream? 
I have no idea. Yeah. I just saw that you could click on it. Yeah. Like on whatever. YouTube. I have five million apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That come up on my TV. Yeah. And so I don't even know what I have. Yeah. And so when YouTube's it came up. YouTube's a pretty good bet. So that would have been on YouTube. Yes. So there you go. There you go. That's where I would have yeah. been able to link in. Yeah. And I just chose not to. You, you guys should carry down, uh, you know, Fox 30 and everything and CBS. Probably be good ratings, honestly. It, it probably yeah. would be. Yeah. Probably be pretty good. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, happy about Mexican pizza. Yeah. May 19th will be a Mexican pizza day here on the show, probably. And uh, nobody even paid for that advertisement. <laughs> no, that's free advertisement. Could you carry the stream from Coachella on Fox? No, they'd have that. I mean, they'd have to go with it. Like, buy it, bid it. Yeah, but how much? I mean, I'm, I'm saying the price. Okay. I have no well, idea. Well, it's better than the Jaguars preseason games from like the 1990, you know, <laughs> 90s. <laughs> <laughs> remember that? Remember that whole ordeal? Remember that? What, 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 that was, that was, that was when they canceled the preseason yeah. games. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a different time Watching of some year of those too. Jaguars vintage games. Yeah, I wasn't Coachella even, I wasn't even alive yet. I'm watching. Who's this player? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was Are you alive. kidding? You have, I was you have the autograph on a program I somewhere. do. I'm kidding. I was thriving. <laughs> Multiple guys. Yeah. Um, what do Jags fans want to happen the most? In terms of a player or position? Uh, just, yeah, I mean at number one. Like, yeah, what yeah, do they yeah. want to happen? Do they, do they want, like, I've had more people beg for a trade. Mm -hmm. I feel like my timeline is filled with Gigantor and Jackson, uh, all his family up there in New England, who wants an offensive lineman. Mm. He just tweets at us. Boring. Says, uh, Jags were overthinking if they don't choose OL at number one. My prediction, someone trades up for Willis at number one. I, I, I mean, is that the new thing? A trade-up for Malik Willis because he's going to visit teams? Is that the hot thing now today? Well, okay, let's let's look at it from the outside, though. If any team was going to trade up for one player, who would it be? To me, it would be Malik Willis. Like, I, I don't think it would be Aiden Hutchinson. I don't think it would be Trevon Walker. I think if any team was going to trade up, it would be for Malik Willis. Which makes sense, historically speaking, anyway. The yeah. best quarterback in the draft. And now well, that's arguably, the main well, no, I'm just saying, yeah, if, yeah. if they're going to go, mm -hmm. you're going to go get a quarterback, mm -hmm. and you're going to go trade up to get the guy who you think is the best. Mm -hmm. And it's worth doing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What are they afraid of, though? They're afraid of Detroit taking them, obviously. They're afraid uh, of Houston oh, taking yeah, them. yeah, for sure. For they're sure. not afraid of the Jets taking them. They could no. be afraid of the Giants taking them. They're afraid of the Carolina Panthers taking them. Mm -hmm. So four out of the top six teams they could be afraid of taking. The the Jets and the Jags were the only two that you can you can unanimously say they were not going to take Malik Willis. Correct. Outside of that, you can make a case. I mean, Davis Mills, I feel like they're giving Davis Mills another year in Houston. But mm, maybe yeah. but mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh or and, and Daniel Jones would be the same situation if Dable's like, hey man, I'm going to get my guy. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So so that's could there be more smoke at the top for, for a quarterback, whether it is Pickett or Willis? And could be more teams in play for a quarterback, even though this doesn't look like a very good quarterback draft? Or is that just something now we're talking ourselves into because we're 10 days away from the draft and we're out of things to talk about? Um, no, I mean, I, I think there's definitely intrigue, especially, see, to me, there's more intrigue for Malik Willis than there is for Pickett. Now, Pickett might end up being the best quarterback out of this class. But I think where it sits right now in, Tim, in terms of being the dual-threat-capable guy like Willis is, coming from a small school where maybe he didn't get enough shine because he didn't have the receivers, he didn't have the O-line help, a la Josh Allen at Wyoming, I think with Malik Willis, I think more teams would be interested to trade up just because there is a lot of the unknown. If history is an indicator, it can say, well, he has some good intangibles. You know, I mean, he, he's got the dual-threat capabilities. 
you can do a lot with him in the offense. Maybe they like him. Yeah, I mean, I think there's reason to talk yourself into that. I feel like there hasn't been a lot of smoke there for that. Sure. The entire process until, like, now. Or maybe in the last couple of days or even week. But when you're starting to run out of scenarios and ideas. And so I think it's almost like that we have to protect against the smoke screen as well. And the smoke screen, that is lack of information more than what teams are going to do. And so would they be interested? I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think you can make the case that Detroit's not going to uh, pick them. I think you can make the case Houston's not going to pick them. We know the Jets aren't going to pick them. I think you can make the case the Giants aren't going to pick them. I, so I, you see, think Daniel Jones is the guy? Well, I just think you can make, again, I think you can argue it either way. Could I see it happening? Well, if they're absolutely in love with them, yeah, there's upgradability in all of those guys. There's got to be upgradability in golf. Upgradability in in Davis Mills probably in long-term projection based on the way people viewed him coming out, mm-hmm. even though he did outperform what people viewed. And then I think there's got to be upgradability in what we've seen from Daniel Jones. Now, it feels like all organizations have kind of said, hey, we, we're good with this. We're going to roll with this for now. We're content with that. Mm. But... When you get a chance to get a quarterback, do you waste it? That brings up Carolina at number six. And Carolina, I think, has been a victim of this already. They've done it to themselves where they have had opportunities to go get quarterbacks, to get that next guy. They have passed. They're not passing on QB this time. They have to get QB at number six, I would think, whether it's Pickett or Willis. See, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I, I'm not convinced though, that New York doesn't, is not in the market for a quarterback. I mean, I get it. Daniel Jones has had how many offensive coordinators now in his career and all those excuses. But if you have a chance to upgrade that position, especially the New York Giants who have two first-round picks at five and seven, why not spend one of those picks on maybe the best quarterback of the draft? Now, I get it. It's not a quarterback-rich class. You don't need it to be. All you need to get is the best quarterback available in that draft and see what happens. And that very well might be Malik Willis or it could be Kenny Pickett. Who knows? But I think that the Giants maybe are in the market. I mean, I saw it happened with Cleveland and Baker Mayfield. And, yeah, Baker Mayfield handled that whole ordeal horribly. But keep in mind, Cleveland was the team that was saying, hey, Baker Mayfield's going to be our guy. Like, you don't need to go on this big tirade. You're our guy. And then what happened literally a week or two weeks later? He wasn't their guy anymore. But it was Deshaun Watson. So teams are always looking to upgrade the most important position in all of football. And I see the Giants. I see the Texans. I see the Panthers. I see the Falcons. I see the Seahawks. I see Washington. I guess not. Well, with Carson Wentz, I guess they're fine. But I see all those teams. They can upgrade. So maybe one of them does pull the trigger, moves up, try to try to get their guy and upgrade. Who's who do the Falcons have? Marcus Mariota. Oh, they brought in Mariota. Mm-hmm. So you could see the Falcons moving up too. Falcons are picking eight eighth. eight hole. Yeah. Uh, so Carolina seems to me the most desperate right now for a quarterback. Is that fair? We agree with that? Clo- block your ears, Sam Darnold lovers? Yeah, I mean, I think they're the most desperate for sure. Who do you think is next? Is it the Falcons with Mariota? Is it G- Giants and Jones? Is it Texans and Mills? Is it the Lions and Goff? Who well, do you think? Again, don't worry about where they're picking. No, I know. But who's who do you think it, is needs a QB? It comes down to who I think is the better quarterback, Marcus Mariota or Daniel Jones. I'd probably take Mariota at this point. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Seattle? Yeah, and we're oh, no, for sure. Well, Seattle's saying. more desperate than Carolina. Drew Locke? Geno yeah. Smith? I don't know. Yeah. You're riding with Drew Locke or Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. I mean, that's comparable. Yeah, but... 
I mean, is there real? That's what I'm saying. I think well, I mean, I don't think desperate. I, yeah, I don't think Drew Locke is like. I mean, I think Drew I mean, Locke had. I think Drew Locke's got less chances to prove it than Darnold has so far. But I think Drew Locke had a, an offense that was loaded, and he couldn't capitalize with it. That's true. Because now we, we you bring Russ Wilson over, and it's like, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. You know, with all the offensive weapons that they have. Yeah. Drew Locke had those weapons. What did he do with it? Not where's, much. Uh, where's, where's the Seattle picking? Are they nine, or are they like? Seattle's number nine. Yeah. So you really have. But to answer the question, I, I would rather have Marcus Mariota than Daniel Jones right now. So I think the Giants are more desperate than the Falcons. I think the Seahawks would be the most desperate of all the teams. I think the Giants should still be desperate. But. I think it's what the wild thing is, the least the team that's the least desperate feels like the team that just lost like an elite quarterback. Uh, and not just, well, uh, Seattle would fit this too. But, I mean, Houston. Like, they don't have Deshaun Watson anymore, mm-hmm. yet I feel like there's a comfortability with what Davis Mills did and seeing where it might be able to go. Like, everybody knows what Jared Goff is. There's mm-hmm. really not a lot of upside left. I think the Giants are talking themselves into there's upside with Daniel Jones, but not everybody, nobody outside of New York is really doing that, saying, okay, we kind of know what this guy is. I think you know what Marcus Mariota is. Like, how much upside is there left in Mariota? Probably not a ton. I mean, you can get what you got in Tennessee, and he can win you some games, but he's not going to be dynamic enough to, to ever creep into the probably the upper half of QBs in the league in that sense. And then, of course, same thing with Drew Locke. So, funny thing is, out of all the teams, I feel like Houston is probably the most set at quarterback and feels the most comfortable with their guy and at least take it another year to see what they can get the next time around or in free agency. I guess the question is, how many years do you need of Daniel Jones, though? Because he's going on his fourth year now. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's what I'm not saying. That's what the Giants are saying. I think most people would put Daniel Jones in the category of the Drew Locks, the Mariotas. Sure, sure. And... Whoever else I just, oh, the Goffs, yeah. right? And like, okay, we've seen you do some things, but I'm not, into, I'm not buying into it, Yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also does seem like the Giants have been the most vocal team of defending him. Oh, of course. When Dable yeah. got there, he was like, we can do stuff with this guy. But, right? I, but isn't that kind of the M.O., though? If you're a new coach and you have a veteran quarterback, what are you going to say? Yeah, we don't like him. But, uh, yeah, we're going to draft somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I that's, but, but listen, that's, that's coaching 101. Well, when Dable came in there, when all these coaches came in there, a lot of guys on the free agent market, they could have made a run for the Russell Wilsons of the world. They could have made a run. They have two yeah. picks in the top ten, man. They could have made a run for, for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Right? I no, mean, they, they certainly absolutely could have. So. But, I mean, do you sacrifice that much capital if you're not ready to win a Super Bowl yet? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know either, but I'm just saying they didn't have to be that locked in to Daniel Jones. Sure. And did they do that because they were, and now they've evaluated it even more and said, you know what, wait a minute now, we like this Malik Willis kid. As he's grown on us. We've watched more and more tape. We've got to meet him. We've got to see him this process. We think this guy actually could fit. The other thing about Dable, which is interesting, how much will he be skewed by the fact that he, he was around the Patriots organization for a while, so he obviously had the Brady organization mm-hmm. uh, or the Brady-style quarterback. And then you have Josh Williams, this Josh, Josh Allen, this big guy, mm-hmm. and and there's such a departure for a guy like Malik Willis. Now, he can run it and throw it, but he's not that guy. Like, Daniel Jones has that, at least the stature. He can also, you know, in theory, run it and throw it, kind of like a Josh Allen has that skill set. So he wants, a, I would think Dable wants a guy that can do both, but I wonder how much is a detractor in Dable's mind that he's a smaller guy mm-hmm. from a quarterback standpoint after coaching up these more... Um, you know, from a measurable standpoint, mm-hmm. more traditional QBs. Sure. I mean, I just think that size does make a difference, and I get that. 
But you have a guy like Kyler Murray, who's definitely undersized, who has had some success. Now, I get it. He's, you know, his name's kind of getting drugged through the mud a little bit. If you're dual threat, that's just, that's another wrinkle. You know, whether it's Jalen Hurts, whether it's Malik Willis, I just think that if you can add the the mobility, you got something special there. Now, Daniel Jones is mobile, though. So, like, maybe he does fit into what Dable's trying to do, right? Because Daniel Jones can run. He's probably ran more than he should in New York so far. He's gotten hurt because of it. So, that's to say he's not a mobile quarterback because Daniel Jones definitely is. I just wonder if people see Malik Willis and they see, hey, we have something interesting here with him and maybe take that chance. Yeah, I've got a question as it relates to Kyler Murray, just to put a bow on the um, quarterback situation. Number one, we really didn't answer the question, too, like what do Jags fans want to do? I think if I polled 10 people right now, they would say, Let's trade that pick away. I'd love to see him trade the pick away. Yeah. I think they, I think they really would. I think that'd yep. be almost a unanimous thing in Jacksonville. Absolutely. They would feel just fine doing that. Uh, a thought on Kyla Murray that pertains to Malik Willis and the number one overall pick. You can tell me if I'm crazy or not, but I don't think I am. We'll talk about it when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, I'm a little crazy, but not on this subject. I don't think it'll be significantly different. It'll be similar to what we did when, when in the games that Tyreek couldn't play in. Uh, there are certain things that he did did very well uh, that will have people try to to fill in those spots, but uh, without forcing anything. We normally what we do on this is we try to play to the players' strengths uh, the best we can. So we'll see what the new what some of the new guys what they can do, and and then. Um, and we'll work around that. It's your guy, Andy Reid. Oh, yeah. Cheeseburgers. My treat. It was good. Uh, did see the uh, second episode of The Hunt on Jaguars.com. It was good interaction between uh, Doug Peterson and okay. Andy Reid at the Combine. Okay. I was there. I must have just missed that, too, that interaction. But it was pretty cool to see. Uh, did they have you in the background at all? Uh, no, I didn't no. see. Uh, yeah, they don't. Those guys, they, they don't like me much. They won't put me back there. The the the, the they, know I get, they know I get appearance fees. Ah, I got you. I got you. Um, that's probably it. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. All right, I want to f- just finish off on Malik Willis real quick. You mentioned, is it a fair comparison to Kyler Murray? No. Or are we talking about like two smaller quarterbacks that can throw and run and? I mean, Malik Willis. So I mean, Malik, is that why we're comparing him? Well, the NFL comparison to Malik Willis is that he has the arm of Jay Cutler and he has the build and style of Jalen Hurts. That's what lends their lines. Well, I mean, Kyler Murray's got a rifle of an arm too, right? That's powerful arm. No, for sure. So I mean, I mean, you can make that comp. I'm to, just saying, but, this but is body what size. They're saying Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts six one. I'm not sure how much he weighs. And what is Kyler? Kyler's like 5'9", right? Uh, probably. I mean, yeah. There's no five, way. Ten. Malik Willis isn't as stocky as, J- as Jalen Hurts, He's is big. he? Well, it says Jalen Hurts is 6'1", 218. Malik Willis is 6'1", 225. Really? And, and that's a combine 225. Really? Yeah, he's wow. a big dude, man. Yeah, J- Jalen yeah. Hurts just looked, doesn't he look like, well, I don't know if the way he wears Jaylen, the uniform or, yeah. or whatever. But also, like, Jalen Hurts had, like, that whole workout video thing back in college. Like, that dude, like, can squat a house. He's like LaVisca Chenault in terms of, like, the weight room gym rat kind of guy. So is the, I mean, but but it's, he's, like, uh, he's faster than Jalen Hurts, right? Is that what brings maybe the Kyler discussion shiftier? I'm, 
I mean, I think Kyler's probably the shiftiest one because he's smaller. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah. just saying that style. Because, like, you know, oh, yeah, Hurts yeah. will run you over before he's going to run, like, juke you. I mean, he's got some speed on him, man. Jalen Hurts does. Yeah. He, I mean, uh, he, I'm not saying he's four, I look at Kyler Murray and I think four, five, nine. I look at Jalen Hurts and I think kind of like more, you're not going to just bring him down with an arm tackle. No, and I agree with that. But I also think that Jalen Hurts like has enough athleticism and speed to make you miss though as well. Yeah, I, I would yeah, agree. yeah. Especially yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's a it's a comparable thing with like Lance Zerline did with the arm of Jay Cutler. I don't I don't know where the arm of Jay Cutler comes from, but okay, he's got an arm. Cutler had an arm. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, again, uh, Murray has an arm too. And so. then the playing style of Jalen Hurts. Okay, it's very comparable in size. Well, let me ask you this anyway. I'll ask you the question: Whoever the heck you want to compare him to, Jalen Hurts wasn't going to win the MVP. Jalen Hurts had a little success, so maybe that's helped. But Kyler Murray, for a little part of the last year, before he got hurt and dinged up and everything, was starting to work himself into the MVP discussion. Mm -hmm. If Kyler Murray wins the MVP, how much stock would that have helped Malik Willis in terms of this draft? And therefore, would the Jags almost have a better chance to trade out a number one? I don't think it would have helped. I don't think so. Because remember now, the way Kyle Murray ended the season was disappointment, not just in the one game, but down the stretch, obviously banged up. Like, he wasn't a talking point. He wasn't a a relevant guy down the stretch, Mm -hmm. at least in a positive way. I just wonder if that did any damage to a guy like Malik Willis, given the height, the skill set, the everything else. No, I don't think it did that much damage because you still look at a – a guy like Lamar Jackson, a guy like Jalen Hurts, who've had some success. A guy like, you know, I mean, it's not the same comparison in terms of Bill, but Josh Allen, who's had success. Um, Justin Fields, you know, is still a case to be seen. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think Kyler Murray and what happened with him at the end, and spoiler alert, when Hopkins went down, that's when Kyler Murray, you know, I feel like his numbers went drastically down as well. So I don't think it really hurt the, the draft stock of Malik Willis because of what Kyler Murray did. Yeah, uh, I'm just curious uh, to see. I mean, it, I've seen those guys, the Hertzes, the Murrays, those guys are getting the comparisons. And I just wonder if Murray, Murray now feels like a, a, a uh, he went from this hot shot, unbelievable athlete. How do you defend him on the Sports Center highlights, NFL Network highlights every day, MVP candidate for a minute, to now almost like, okay, bad leader. Uh, injured, awful playoff game. Maybe you might trade him away. But who says, who says he's a bad leader? Well, that's the what everybody. That's well, the that's narrative. not what JJ Watt said. Okay, and but like if I'll, you're well, the narrative. I'm, I'm not telling you what's. Maybe he's not an awful football player either. Sure. Maybe they won't trade him away. I'm just telling you those are the things that have popped no, I since the you. end of the season. Yeah. On Murray. But I mean, I'm not going to call him a bad leader if his own teammates said that he's not a bad leader. I mean, that's yeah. you know that, that's what narratives are. They're all just contrived. Like, I, I don't think he's a bad leader. I, I think his teammates support him. Do his teammates support him? Yeah. Well, I, I, think, uh, I think people have said, even teammates have said, that he needs to uh, mature. There's an immaturity about him. Okay. Sure. Yeah, there's immature players out there, but I don't think you're a bad, I don't think he's a bad leader. Okay. Immature, then maybe it's not, maybe the narrative is more immaturity from your quarterback who should be a leader sure. than it is from I mean, your bad is, leader. Is Jalen Rams a bad leader? I don't know. I think Joe Rams is the leader of the of the Rams defense, and is like he, he can be immature all the time. Yeah, he can be. I think he's actually matured quite a bit. But um, 
Again, that, that's not, whether we're not debating whether he's a bad leader or not. I'm telling you, the narratives of that going into a draft where there's a quarterback that might have a similar yeah. skill set, how much could it inflate him or deflate him? Yeah. I, I just, just wonder. I think the emergence of Jalen Hurts, I think with Lamar Jackson, I think with Josh Allen, I think with dual threat quarterbacks having some success in the NFL, I don't think Kyle Murray falling off a little bit towards the end of the season will affect Malik Willis at all. Um, we will see where Malik Willis goes. He's, pre- he's, he's an interesting piece in the first round. Oh, yeah. I feel like he could go in a bunch of different ways uh, for sure. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Shock your mock. Does it have Malik Willis at number one in the Jags trading out? Find out next. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save 